I have a question for you. Um, have you ever had a bad day? Can we? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Listen, uh, sometimes pastors will ask questions where they already know the answer to the question, and so that was one of them. But I'm not talking about a normal bad day. Right? Like, we've all had those mornings where, like, we go and get our Starbucks and they get our order wrong, and immediately you know the color's wrong, and, like, it ruins your morning. I'm not talking about those kinds of bad days. I'm talking about really, really bad days. You know, one of those bad days where, like, from morning until night, just everything seems to go wrong, and it's just like, there just seems to be no break in the day, and, and it's just going terribly, and you get home, and you're just like, you know what, I need to go to bed early. Because I need a new day. Like, like this day, I am done with this day, and I need a fresh day. It is one of those terrible, terrible days. Uh, growing up, one of my favorite books as a kid was called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Uh, my, my guess is some of you maybe have grown up reading this book. And you see, Alexander had one of those days. Right? It just seemingly nothing seemed to go right. And it, it, it starts off with he had been chewing bubble gum the night before, forgot to take the bubble gum out, and woke up in the morning, gum in his hair. And then seemingly page after page after page, Alexander had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. But what happens when it's not just a bad day? What happens when a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day turns into a bad week? What happens when that bad week turns into a bad month? What happens when that bad month turns into a bad year? What happens when that bad year is now all of a sudden to be a season of life? Or what happens when that season of life turns into this is now just life? You, you might be sitting there saying, listen, it is no longer a season. Like things have happened in my life where it's no longer about day, it's about week, it's about month. Like this is just maybe who I am. This is how I identify of like my life isn't going good. For some of us, it might have been, right, it, 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 a financial thing. Like maybe we lost our job a way back and we thought it was going to be a temporary setback. And then seemingly, you know, you, you're trying and you're trying to grind and you're trying to find the right thing. And it's just, it's just not working. What you thought was going to be temporary, what you thought was only going to be maybe a bad day or a bad week is now, it's a bad season. Or some of us, it's, it's a relationship, right? Like, like we put all our eggs in this relationship basket. We thought this was going to be it. And then seemingly, like things didn't work out and, and we thought maybe it was going to get better. But seemingly, we're in a place right now of saying, it's just not happening. And and I'm struggling. For some of us, it's a health thing, right? We, we all hate going into the doctor, but we finally went to the doctor, and what the doctor had to tell us wasn't very good. And we sat there, and maybe we left that doctor's office. We had that attitude of like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make it through. We're going to push through. And then, and then day after day after day, week after week after week, seemingly things aren't getting any better, and we're stuck. But let me take it a step further. What happens when our bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad seasons are the result of our own actions? Like, let's be honest, like, some of us are in a bad season because of decisions we've made. 
right? Some of us are in a place of, yes, we've experienced the forgiveness of God. If we've given our life to Jesus, we've experienced his forgiveness, but oftentimes that doesn't negate consequences, right? Some of us are dealing with bad financial positions because, man, if we're honest, and, and, and I've been there too, like, if we're honest, we're dealing with bad finances because of decisions we've made, Right, some of us might be in a tough relationship thing, not because of something they did, but if you were honest with yourself, it's because of something you did. Right, you're sitting there going, yeah, 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 I, I, I didn't do the right thing, or I didn't say the right thing, or, or, or I did things that, that hurt the relationship, and now I'm sitting in dealing with the consequences. And oftentimes, we're in this setting, whether it's been stuff that's happened to us or things that we've done, if we allow ourselves to get to a dark place, like if we allow ourselves to get to a place of saying, man, I'm at my wit's end. It is a terrible, horrible, no good season of my life. A lot of times, we will get to a place of saying, God, where are you? Like, like everything is seeming to go wrong, and now I'm stuck in a place of saying, God, where are you in this situation? I can't see you in this situation. God, everything around me seems to be terrible. Everything around me seems to be horrible. God, God, where are you in this moment? Some of you may even say, well, listen, I gave my life to Jesus years ago, and I heard a preacher once say that if I just gave my life to Jesus, that I would experience my best life now. And if you were honest, you would say, I haven't experienced that good life that that man promised me. And we get stuck in this place of saying, God, where are you? And the reality is it's because of this. Oftentimes, we get so stuck and so consumed in our trial. We get so consumed in that poor decision or we get so consumed in that season of life instead of becoming consumed with who our God is. That when we are going through something real, like I'm not talking about, again, the casual bad days. I'm talking about the really bad days. That when we're going through something real, something hurtful, something painful, something that sits in the bottom of our chest, we get to a place of saying, what am I supposed to do? particularly for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. Well, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been in this series uh, titled Old School. And what we've been doing is looking at classic hymns of the faith and and the scripture behind them. And today, we are going to focus on a hymn titled Great is Thy Faithfulness. And my guess is that if you maybe grew up in the church, you might be familiar with this hymn, but my guess is some of you maybe didn't grow up in the church, and you're like, I have no idea what great is thy faithfulness is. So what I wanted to do real quickly is just read maybe a chorus and a verse of this hymn, just so we can get on the same page of, hey, what are we looking at today? The hymn starts off like this. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. 
Now that, I don't know about you, but when I read that hymn, man, man I, my spirits are uplifted, right? That, that is like, that is an encouraging, hope-filled hymn. Like we're talking about strength for today, hope for tomorrow. We're talking about blessings. Like, like you might be kind of prone to think that whoever wrote this hymn must be in an extreme season of blessing. Like, you would think, man, whoever would write a hymn just so hope-filled, I mean, they're literally saying, like, I have experienced blessing, and I got 10,000 more blessings where that came from. You would think this person's got it all together. You know, this must be the person that, you know, when you're scrolling on Instagram, and you're in that low spot, and you're scrolling, and you see that person that seemingly has it all together? Right, right, right. They got the house and they got the car and they got that seemingly perfect relationship and they got the 2.5 kids and they got the job. Like, like, and you're saying like, like they, they're experiencing all the blessing that, that I want to experience. You know what? The, whoever wrote this hymn must be in that season. They, they must be in that season of experiencing extreme blessing. Well, I, I want to share with you who wrote this hymn. Uh, the hymn writer was Thomas Chisholm. And you see, Thomas, uh, in fact, he was born in 1866. So this is like a ways back, right? So Thomas was born in Kentucky, and Thomas was known to be a very intelligent, ambitious guy. He had it all together. He was driven. He had goals in his life. In fact, he was so intelligent that by the age of 19, he had gone to high school, he had gone to college, and he was already teaching high school. So Thomas was like one of those guys, like you would be like, man, this guy's ambitious. He would be like that Pastor Jason, just like driven, like accomplishing things. And then at the age of 27, he was in a church service, heard the gospel for the first time and gave his life to Jesus. It was an amazing thing. And so what Thomas said in that moment is, listen, I have been building my life. I had been building my kingdom. I've been using all of my gifts and all of my ambition and all of my goals to build my kingdom. Now I want to start building God's kingdom. And so Thomas had a new dream. Thomas had a dream of being a pastor and a minister. And so Thomas got married and he ended up running off to seminary. And then he got ordained at a church in, in Kentucky and was for the first time accomplished his dream. It was amazing. You see, during the first year of him being a pastor, something started to change. Thomas, at a very young age, started to notice things in his health that just weren't right. And his health just seemed to, over that first year of being a pastor, just seemingly got worse and worse and worse. And he ended up having to do with a doctor, and the doctor gave him a diagnosis that in an instant, everything changed. And so Thomas, after one year of experiencing his dream and his goal of being a pastor, had to step down for ministry. And in an instant, he lost his ministry. He lost how he was going to support his family. And he lost the thing that he thought God called him to do. And so Thomas packed up his family and he, and he packed up everything and he moved to New Jersey. Why? No idea. <laughs> And Thomas got a job as uh, selling life insurance. And it said that, well, maybe he got this job and things started to look better for him, but what we find out is, no, they weren't. 
And the financial bills because of his medical crisis kept piling up and the struggle of supporting his family just kept getting worse and the hospital bills kept piling and piling and piling. And it was at that moment, sitting behind a desk selling life insurance, after losing his dream, after struggling financially, after allowing things around him to just seemingly fall apart, it was at that moment that he wrote this hymn. At a death seemingly having lost everything, he writes, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin, a peace that endureth. Man, what is the peace that he's feeling right now? Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. So I don't know about you, but knowing Thomas's story, I'm left with a question. How does a man seemingly at his lowest point in life seem so hope-filled seems so reliant on God, seems so entrenched in the faithfulness of God. Well, if that is you today, I, I don't know where you're at this morning. If that's you today, my hope and prayer is we study the scripture that Thomas based this hymn on. My hope and prayer is that you experience the same hope, the same faithfulness of God that Thomas is experiencing. My hope and prayer is that you will experience it as well. So today, we are going to be in a book called Lamentations, chapter 3. And that's what this hymn is based on. And Lamentations is a really interesting book. Um, it is a book that, if you translate the word Lamentations, literally means to grieve. So is it a book in the Old Testament dedicated to grieving? It is a very upbeat read, if you ever have time. <laughs> but it, it documents a very interesting time of history in the nation of Israel. You see, um, it is written by the prophet Jeremiah, and the prophet Jeremiah was sent by God to Israel at a very particular time in history. You see, Israel had turned its back on God. They were doing all of the wrong things. They were worshiping false God. They were living in sin, and they were doing so many wrong things. And so God said, Jeremiah, I love my people, and I want them to do the right thing. I want them to turn back to me and thrive. I have so much more for them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to them, go to the king, go to the people, and let them know, hey, turn back to me because I have more for them. Can you please warn them? Listen, I am a just God, and if they keep doing the wrong thing, I need to, I, like, if sin is present, something needs to happen for sin. So will you please warn them and let them know to turn back to me? So Jeremiah did that. For 40 years, he warned the people, saying, listen, please turn back to God. You are my people. You, like, like, we need to turn back to the living God. Please turn back to God. And so 40 years, they laughed at him, they ridiculed him, judged him. And then one day, everything changed. We learn in history that the Babylonian Empire, that's now the, uh, like a region of Iraq, came into the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the city. They tore down the temple. They put fire to the city. We learn in the book of Lamentations that people were slaughtered. People were held captive. 
It was a brutal time in history. And it's at that moment that Jeremiah is documenting this season of sitting, seeing a city in destruction, the people he loved, the people that he warned. This was not the way it was supposed to be. And it's in that moment of devastation, and it's in that moment that we see in Lamentations chapter 3 something change. And, and that's where I want to pick up today. It was in the midst of pain that we see Jeremiah change his perspective. And, and so I want to read in Lamentations chapter 3, and it starts in verse 21. It says, But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that the one who should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So there's something you, you need to understand and there's something you need to see of what's happening here. Jeremiah is literally sitting in the dust and in and, 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 and the destruction of the city. He is witnessing the destruction and the pain and the devastation around him. And it's in that dark moment that he says, but this I call to mind. What that means is Jeremiah in this moment took time to remember. He took time to pause and to remember who his God was, and that led him to a place of hope. I don't know if maybe this morning you are in a place of you are begging God for a breakthrough. You are saying, listen, I am just like Thomas. I am just like Alexander. I am having a terrible, no good, horrible day. And I'm looking for breakthrough. And, and maybe you need to see the truth in this text, a truth that you need to grab hold of, is that hope does not come from something inside of our humanity. Right? Culture would just love to tell you it's something you need to like pull out of yourself and then there you'll have hope in your situation. No, that's not where hope comes from for a Christian. You also might think, well, well, hope must come from my circumstances. If only my circumstances changed, I know I would experience hope. No, for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, hope comes from who our God is. And in this moment, Jeremiah took time, just like Thomas took time, to remember and draw his thoughts, not considering his current surroundings, because his surroundings weren't that hopeful in that moment. But he took time to remember who his God was. And in that moment, it drew his thoughts to a place of saying, my God is faithful. And what that means is that if you are still here in this room, there's still hope. No matter what you're going through, whether it was something that's happened to you or something you did, no matter what it is, God is faithful. As long as you still have breath in your lungs and God is still on the throne, you and we have hope. I also love that it says that his mercies are new every morning. 
It implies that if you are having a bad day, well, get ready, because when you wake up tomorrow, there is a fresh batch of mercies waiting for you as a gift from our God. That is something to be received every single morning. And out of a response for you and I, as we receive the mercy of God in our life, we get to experience the faithfulness of God every single day. I love the, when, the word faithfulness. Uh, oftentimes in our society, we always hear the other end, right? We always talk about what it means to be unfaithful, but rarely humanly do we get to experience faithfulness. Faithfulness is an attribute of God's character. It means unchanging, consistent, loyal. The faithfulness of God is connecting to an unrelentless promise that you will have mercy and grace in your life through what Jesus did for you on the cross. There is a beautiful truth to that, and that is something that we can hold on to. And that's what I, the big thought that I think we need to grapple with this morning is this. God is faithful no matter what. God is faithful no matter what, and there is a hope in that statement, that meaning this, if you are experiencing a hard day because of what the world has done to you or what someone maybe sinned against you, God is faithful. If you are someone in the room who has made a mistake, if you are someone today who has been, man, I know that I'm experiencing hardship right now because of something I did, God is faithful. Because our faithfulness isn't dependent on us. God's faithfulness is dependent on who he is because that is his character. Now, I want to dive into this because I think as we are in sometimes a season of hardship, I think Jeremiah teaches us some things we need to remember. And the first one I think is in, in verse 24 and it says this, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Another translation of the word portion is inheritance. So what is it saying is we need to remember our inheritance. When we are in a season of hardship, when we are in a place of having a no good, horrible, very bad day, we need to remember our inheritance. And that means whatever bad day we are experiencing, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, it's temporary. That the worst you will ever experience is this side of heaven. Because for you and I, we have a hope and a future filled with Jesus, filled with heaven, filled with glory, and spending time with our King. That is our future. So if we are having a bad day in this moment, it's temporary because the Lord is our inheritance. When we say yes to Jesus, we receive the gift of heaven. We receive the gift of his presence. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our inheritance as followers of Jesus. The riches that we get to experience are un matched. So no matter the circumstances that seemingly are surrounding us, no matter the things that are pressing on us, they're only temporary because our future is with Jesus. And therefore, we have hope. Hope is a defining factor of those who call themselves Christians. The next thing I think we need to see is verse 25 and 26. And it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The second thing I think we need to remember in a season of hardship is we need to remember that waiting is a gift. Now listen, if you're anything like me, 
That is a hard sentence to say. I, I don't see waiting as a gift. I'm always like, when's the next thing? Like, like, like I'm, I, okay, I'm waiting, but like, when, when, when can I move forward? Like, I, I'm done waiting. I want the plan. I want the thing. But what God is teaching us here is that waiting is a gift because waiting allows you and I to linger in the presence of God. Waiting allows you and I to linger in the presence of God. And I I think it's so impactful that there is an emphasis on waiting in this passage. And there is a promise that those who wait well, God is good too. Waiting is a part of the Christian experience. Uh, We live in a culture that says, hey, we're we're done waiting. We're, We're just steaming ahead. But for the Christian, waiting is a part of who we are. We don't live in a place of instant gratification. Because faith and waiting is an attribute of our faith. Waiting for you and I draws us near to God. It's in the waiting that we spend time with God. It's in the waiting that we say, God, I'm just experiencing you in this moment and I want to wait for what you're about to do. Uh, This past June, uh, Jason and I uh, went to Brazil. A lot of you followed along on the journey. We went to Brazil for a week to minister there. And on the way home, it was during that like massive airport, like disaster of a situation. And on the way home, we got stuck in the Miami airport. Uh, Let me tell you, there was a lot of waiting going on. And so we were stuck there for about 48 hours. And, you know, I would love to tell you that as a pastor, I had a great attitude, right? I would love to tell you, I was just standing there like, oh, waiting's a gift. Did not, did not think it was a gift. But as we were waiting in line, there seemingly was like a couple that kept kind of following us in line. Like like every new line that we were put in, this couple was in front of us. And we noticed that they were speaking Portuguese. And we had just done like a lot experiencing Portuguese. And so we pulled up our Google Translate app and we started having a conversation with this couple. And you see, this couple was on their way to New York City from Brazil and they were pastors. And there were pastors going to Brazil to minister to those who were Brazilian living in New York City who only knew Portuguese, and they were going to preach the gospel. And as we're waiting in line, building this relationship, I paused to think, man, if this situation didn't happen, I never would have met this, this family. And it was a little bit later that we were in kind of a crossroads scenario, Jason and I, and we had the opportunity, we were, got in ahead of them, and we had the opportunity to get on the airplane. And Jason and I took time to talk about it, and we're like, you know what, we don't need to get there. So we were able to give up our seats in order for this family to get on the airplane going to Newark. And it was a beautiful moment that really impacted me saying, man, if I didn't see waiting as a gift, this moment would have never happened. And oftentimes, God moves in the waiting, and it's in the waiting that God gives us opportunities. So maybe it might be a place for you this morning, if you are in a season of waiting, or for you to take a step back, and you you might need to say, I need to rewire my brain for a moment, and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? God, what are the opportunities you're trying to show me in this moment? I know it's hard and I know it's painful. I know the surroundings that I'm experiencing, but it's in the season of waiting of God. I want to be reliant on you and I want to linger in your presence and I want to experience all that you have for me. The next thing I think and last thing I think we need to see in this passage of things we need to remember is we need to remember to learn early. It says, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. 
What this is saying is the sooner we can learn to rely on God's faithfulness is the sooner we can rest in his hope. It is the sooner we can learn this lesson. The best time to learn this lesson is today. It is not tomorrow. It is next, it's not next week. It's not next month. It is today. And if you are someone young in the room, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, I, I promise you, if you were to talk to your parents on, hey, when should I learn this lesson? Hey, it's better to learn this now because I promise you hardship will come. There is no life you will experience without experiencing those no good, terrible, horrible, very bad days. But when we as Christians can take a step back and we as Christians can say, hey, God is faithful no matter what. I'm not going to look at my surroundings. I'm going to go look up towards heaven and draw my mind and remember who my God is, that I have an inheritance that there is a gift in the waiting, and I'm going to learn this lesson now because I want to experience God's faithfulness in my life. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate what happens to me. I'm going to allow and rest on my hope and the hope of God. God is faithful no matter what. Uh, this past week, uh, we had what we call an all-staff. Uh, we bring our entire team together. We bring them in and uh, we just spent time at the table. I walked through this passage with them, and we just spent time rehearsing where we've seen God be faithful in our lives. And what was amazing about that moment is, hey, everyone around that table had stuff going on. Everyone around that table had things that they were struggling with or things that they were waiting on. But as we took time to remember where we've seen God faithful, it is amazing. I was amazed at how the room changed. As we took time celebrating God, hey, I've seen God do this in my finances, or I've seen God do this in my, in my circumstances, or this in my relationship. It was amazing where that brought us to. It brought us to a place of hope. So maybe this morning, if you're in that place of dealing with a terrible, no good, horrible season, maybe you need to take some time, just like Thomas did, just like Jeremiah did, of say, and this I call to mind. And maybe you need to take some time to remember where God has been faithful in your life. So here's my challenge. Uh, if you're someone like that, whether you're in a season, you're coming out of a season, is to take time this week, grab a piece of paper, and to write down and remember where you've seen God be faithful in your life. And I'm not talking about maybe, maybe in this moment, you can't see it. Maybe in this moment, if you look at your surroundings, man, if you're looking, it's like, it's hard to see it right now, but I want you to look back because maybe you've seen God be faithful in your past and you need to hold on to that saying, well, I know God is faithful. He is unchanging. And no matter who, what happens around me, I have a hope and a future. And you need to allow that to bring you to a place of hope. But when I was thinking about this passage, um, it brought me to a place of thinking about communion. You know, for those of us that are Christians and are followers of Jesus, God talks about, Jesus talked about, hey, hey, do this in remembrance of me. And I think, why did God, Jesus, think it was so important for us to remember? I think it's because it's, we're so forgetful. 
Right? We, we, we tend to forget the faithfulness of God. We tend to forget what Jesus had done for us. We tend to get wrapped up in our circumstances. We get con- so consumed in our surroundings that you and I need to take pockets of time to remember. So what I want to do over the next few moments is I want to take a time of communion. That if you're struggling right now and you're just so consumed, whether you're in a place of saying things have happened to me or I know if I am honest, I have done things. I have a weight in my chest because I have done things. Well, communion is that time to kind of lay it all down before the feet of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to give us a moment right now that instead of waiting maybe during the week to do this, let's just do it now. I wanna take a moment, just a reflection, that maybe you need to take time in this moment to just think about where you've seen God be faithful. Where have you seen God be faithful in your life and where have you seen the hope of God and where have you seen God move in your life in special ways? And you're gonna take hold of that and say, I'm gonna remember. And the honest truth is some of you, just like the people of Israel who needed a nudge, Maybe today you need to take time to confess something and you need to take this moment of quiet and saying, God, I know I have done this against you and I have done this against someone else and I need to get this off my chest. So when I take communion, I can take communion mind-free and worry-free and just lay my life before your feet and take time to remember you. So let's just take a moment and reflect and confess what we need to confess. Father, in this moment, I pray that you're smiling, that we have a room of people who are taking time to simply remember, taking time to remember how you've been faithful in our lives, allowing our minds to be drawn to a place of hope of where we've seen you move. And God, I I pray that you allow that to encourage hearts today, that you are faithful, that you are unchanging. And God, as as we enter into a time of communion, God, I just thank you for your blood. I thank you for your body. I thank you that you loved us, that you sent your son on our behalf to live a life that we could not live, that you put our sin on your son and your son went to the cross and died on our behalf and rose again. God, I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you today we can sit in a place of hope and relationship. And God, I thank you for your love. 
this time. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper. And he said, this is a cup and it represents a covenant in my blood. That as often as you drink it, you're doing it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. And Jesus says that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we've taken time to remember, I want to take time to sing this hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And my prayer is that we will sing it from a place of faith. We will sing it from a place of hope because our God is faithful.